Damn, set, huh. Watch him throw the ball. We gon' pick it up. You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off. You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to wanna win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trapper Dive. Yes, sir. Welcome back to another episode of Trapper Dive Podcast provided to you by 214 Media and SB Nations Hogs Haven. I'm your host, Molly Maul, in here with AJ and Dre, man. Fellas, how y'all doing, bro? First and foremost, actually, before I even answer that, if you're listening to this, make sure y'all give a shout out to the good man, Dre, man. He turned 43 today. <laughs> Um, you know, <laughs> 43. You turned 43. Hey, I'm all man. aging, man. I already feel old. I'm, I'm older than that. The, the OG man had another a year around his son, another lap around his son, man. But uh, happy birthday to the good man, Dre. But, but fellas, how y'all doing, dog? Hey, I'm good, man. Like I said, seeing another year, I'm happy about that. Then the only thing I need is for my damn football team to finally give me something to cheer for for, for the first time since I've been a teenager. So that's all oh I'm waiting goodness. for. Man, you might have to postpone that for another year because it won't be this one. But hey, I'm waiting 25. I can wait another year. Hey, wait one more, bro. I man, feel it, man. Shout out to Dre. Happy birthday. Well wishes. Nothing but blessings and, and grace that you allow yourself. But yeah, man, doing good, man. Glad to be doing another episode with you guys and being able to chop it up about this thing. Yeah, man. Like, like you said, uh, this. This whole group, bro, it's, it's fun, bro. I love the discussions. Like, I love what, even what we just discussed before we went live, but just the opportunities that we have in front of us um, with with us and and to really get things shaking over here with, with Trapper Dive. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this shit. Dre, uh, as AJ said, man, uh, much blessings to you. I'm glad you was able to spend your weekend with the family, bro, and some, some close friends, bro. Um, I know... Well, I guess whenever whenever we get that time, bro, we we go ahead, lock in, uh, head out. I mean, well, it's gonna be your birthday gonna be passed by then, but you know, we always going we're gonna see each other a couple uh couple more times throughout the summer and the, and the season. So I uh, ain't nothing to it, man. Uh, maybe we do the the fucking the, the, the I'm, I'm cussing already. Maybe we do the preseason game or something, um, or or, or training camp or something like that. Uh, we did training camp last time, right? Or was that mini camp? I forget. No, we, we, one of them well, we did do, we did we did a training camp, but then we also but that wasn't last year when they did the FedEx field thing. No, that was the Ryan Fitzpatrick year. So we I'm missing up two years. things. Yes. Um it was the open practice at FedEx and then um mini camp last year when when right. I was tweeting out play by plays and they said, bro, delete all your tweets. <laughs> we can't ha- we can't have you tweeting out the formations and shit like that. I'm like, oh my bad, bro. We, we don't have what, joint practices against the Ravens this this year, right? At FedEx. One of those uh, is it here? One, one of them is in Baltimore, right? That would be lit. Yeah, so let me look. I'll be with that. Uh, Ravens, like this. Here we go, 2023. Um, oh, Ravens are hosting the commanders, so uh, wherever the hell they wherever they practice at, um, Under Armour Performance Center. I know they do a McDaniel College sometimes out with the Ravens out yeah, west. I thought I heard. I, I thought I heard there. like one of the practices is going to be at FedEx. Oh. Um, on Monday, Ravens will face the Commanders at FedEx Field 
They said no, nah, no. The two practices are going to be in Owens Mills, the Under Armour Performance Center. But then they got they got their preseason game at FedEx. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's yeah. probably what the last game. We always play them like the last preseason game. Oh, this is this is second one. So pretty much that's the most serious game. Oh, mm-hmm. Wow, that is now, now, now only three preseason games. I keep yeah, forgetting about too. that too. So we get three quarters of Sam Howe that game, bro, against one of the, the best defenses <laughs> in the NFL. Ain't, ain't gonna that's going that's going to set Twitter off, boy. I'm telling you, good old bad. If Sam Howe got to be QB one against that defense, oh my god. Twitter. Hey, that's a good test. I mean, I love exactly. But our defense against Lamar Jackson, like hopefully Lamar Jackson plays most of the game. But I would love to see what this defense, especially with Chase healthy now and the new addition, see what they can do against Lamar Jackson. Oh, Lamar gonna does have Lamar, to play because they got Lamar play OC. preseason though. I forget. Does he? Does he really play? Well, AJ just made it. They, they got a new OC. They got no. They got new offensive coordinator. All those damn oh, yeah. wide receivers yeah. and Odell, Zay yeah. Flowers, Bateman, Duvernay, yeah. like. He gonna have to play. Yeah. yeah. No, last year I dress rehearsal game was against the Chiefs. <laughs> remember that? They they fucking killed us. That point looked like what in the world? Oh, Cam Cam Curl was getting. He was getting. Uh, he was getting this little. He was getting stretched down the field. That sounded weird. Get it? I'm saying he had little issues. Um, yeah, that defense had their issues that night. <laughs> That was that was something. Um, yeah, it's gonna be a good one, bro. That's gonna be a good one, fellas. Um, as we get started with just kind of new topics and, and overviewing the team, uh, it's a good time to dive into uh, the positional group breakdowns. And I think uh, you mentioned the receivers with the the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, this is gonna be a good opportunity, I guess, to start off with a a good position group, at least at the top. Um, and, and kind of dive into the receivers uh, for the commanders. Uh, we'll go through the position groups throughout the throughout the weeks, throughout the episodes. Um, this would be a good one to kind of dive into uh, to start things off with the receivers. Um, so I guess to get the conversation going, uh, there was a conversation on Twitter where they asked, Wash- they were not even Washington fans. It was more so just a conversation about um, Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. And they asked, like, could Jahan be better than um, Terry? And then could they be one of the league's best duos? Or could they be the league's best duo in the NFL? And um, I think the answer to the second one is, like, a quicker one and no. Um, but I also think, to if you think about it, uh, and I'm not even going to – I don't think that Jahan is better than Terry right now. Um, but I think that the most encouraging thing that we could have had this season is understanding that Terry McLaurin took an even further level, like a further jump in his uh, his progression, but his development as a player in 2022 with, with such like spotty, below average, uh, mediocre quarterback play. And – um, I, I love what I saw uh, or, or seen from, from Terry in 2022. Um, but like thinking about what Jahan brings to the table and what he did as a rookie, right? His understanding of how to run routes, but also knowing how to break somebody down at the top of his routes to, to create that, that big separation that you need in, in tight coverage that you need 
when you close that cushion uh, and against like off coverage um, and, and stretch that stretch the field vertically, or even like to break somebody down for a shorter route, like knowing what he can do, uh, it, it it brings excitement when you think about the top two players or top two receivers on this team in Terry and Jahan. Um, but like, I think that's where we can pause it. Oh, excuse me. That's where I would pause it before we go into like Curtis and everything below. I do like Curtis. I do think Curtis is a good receiver, but, um, I think I, I would stop at Terry and Jahan as like, they are the tier one for this team. And I think that's a very good thing. And, um, I, again, stand with the receiver side quarterback is is one thing and we kind of know like you don't know what what you have until you see that side and see if they can if that quarterback can elevate their gameplay but terry and jahan are without a doubt like somebody or two people who are easily going to make a quarterback look two times better than what what they are you're on mute aj on mute aj I was going to say, I really think it just boils down also who's that quarterback because I, I feel like Eric Bieniemy is going to do a good job of getting the ball into his playmakers, especially at wide receiver when he knows he has a guy like Terry McLaurin where he can move all over the field. And that's something that Terry hasn't experienced since he's been in the NFL. He hasn't been moved around uh, to different positions on the field to take advantage of leverage or mismatches. He's kind of just been on one side of the field primarily uh, with Jihad Dotson. <clears throat> it boils down to his availability. Um, he can catch. He can run routes. But at the same token, we didn't really see him play as much as you probably wanted to. Uh, miss a, a good a bit a good bit of games. Uh, of course, he he put up with maybe five to seven touchdowns uh, during during his rookie debut. But if you think about it. Those games, he probably had 30 yards overall. Yeah, it's cool he scored a touchdown, but uh, wasn't also an offense that was really trying to get the ball into his hands as much. Same thing with Curtis Samuel. He's not going to route you up. Uh, he has speed um, and agility, but, you know, primarily he's an offensive weapon where you can kind of line him up at running back here and there. You can you can use him, use him in these jet sweeps. Uh, you could possibly – have him run a, a deep post or whatever the case is. But once again, due to Scott Turner, lack of ability of, of being able to string along plays together and call in plays to get these, these guys active, no matter who was back there at quarterback, you didn't really see that happen. So I think that's where the anticipation of the fan base, you know, excited for Eric Bieniemy coming in here is what will, you know, this wide receiver court do with a better quarterback in some regard, whether it be a Sam Howe that is inexperienced but has arm strength to to get the ball downfield and stretch the field and have like these bigger plays, these home run plays, or Jacoby Brissett who understands defenses and and also has an arm as well that he could you know get the ball into these guys' hands to to get more opportunities rack wise because uh, you just didn't really see that within Scott Turner's offense. It was kind of like a curl. <laughs> they caught it, you know, or maybe a, a prayer goes up and you you get Look. slogans and, and merchandise items from Taylor Heineke. Terry's down there somewhere. You feel me? That's that's not a productive offense. That's just you just throwing hey, up third, third and third and third and 13. 
Scott, Scott, Scott be like, y'all, y'all know what time it is, man. Hey, look, just just run a just run a 15 yard out route. Look, don't don't worry about don't worry about anything else, man. Just run that 15 yard out route, bro. Don't don't worry about that quarterback pressure. We don't we don't need nobody to win quick. Uh they pressing <laughs> you. Be depressed, just run the out route. You good, bro. Don't worry about nothing else. Um it'll definitely be trouble. interesting to see, man. And I, I think that's what I'm excited about as far as that relationship that Eric B enemy has overall with the passing game. I mean, and I love our receivers, but one thing, you know, and Jamal, you mentioned the conversation with Jahan and Terry. It's been a it's something that commanders fans, and I don't understand why they get kind of sensitive about it. Like if anyone suggests that Jahan may have more potential or he may end up being a better player than Terry, a lot of commanders fans feel like, you know, you're taking something from them and they kind of start trying to, you know, tell you why Jahan isn't better than Terry. That's a great problem to have. Like, I love having two receivers where I can go back and forth and say, hey, you know, this guy could be better this day or this guy can be, you know, eventually better. You think Colts fans were pissed off when someone said, hey, Torrey Holt might be better than Marvin Harrison. I mean, no, they were happy they had two fucking great receivers. So that's how I look at it with the commanders with Jahan, Dawson, and Terry. I mean, I love Jahan's potential. I mean, as AJ mentioned, he had an injury riddle, you know, season with that little, I think it was a groin or hamstring. Yeah, the hamstring he dealt with for most of last season. And he still produced. I mean, when Jahan played, I mean, even when he came back, you know, when Taylor Heineke was a quarterback, Taylor had more of a rapport with Terry. And, you know, Jahan kind of took him a little bit more time to get going again. But you just see the potential with Jahan. I just think they're two different receivers. I mean, Terry, he on one hand, he's the he's the guy. He's shorthanded. You know, Terry's going to be the guy that makes a play for you when you need it. But Jahan is that explosive type of receiver. I mean, he may not have that, like, D-Jack speed, but he kind of has that D-Jack's game-breaking ability. Like, he's a guy, like, when I think of him with the ball in his hands, he's kind of like a punt returner. You want to get that yeah. guy in open space, I mean, he's going to make plays. He's going to make guys miss. I mean, he could take it to the house in any given moment. And I just love having that threat. And like I said, with him and Terry, you got to love it. But again, as AJ mentioned, it does matter who's at quarterback. I mean, who's going to be getting these guys the ball? I am excited about the um, the opportunity that Eric Bienerby presents. I mean, obviously, he's a guy known for getting uh, playmakers, or at least the Chiefs were known to get their playmakers the ball and known to get them in different kind of creative packages. So I do want to see how they're able to do that. I mean, but the receiver position as a whole, it's going to be interesting watching into training camp. I mean, obviously, you still have Curtis Samuel, who I like as a, a slot receiver, gadget guy. I mean, Curtis is a guy you can just put on the field. You can have him, you know, you can put him in the backfield. You can put him in slot. You can line him up all over the field. I love having that option of a Curtis. It's the guys after that that you kind of wonder about where do they fit i mean obviously diami brown is a guy we talked about for a while i mean is he a guy that this staff even wants at this point we've heard his name in trade talks i mean yes sam howell is um, playing as college quarterback but how does the team view him how does eric Bieniemy view him i mean obviously eric Bieniemy went out and signed um or not eric Bieniemy, but the team went out and signed the chiefs uh marcus kemp he played with uh the chiefs under eric Bieniemy. i don't know if they have a specific plan for that that guy if he's going to be a lock to make the roster or if they just see him as a special teams guy and then of course you got the dax mills and then the kaz allen's of the world let's, so uh, yeah let's let's yeah, yeah. i don't want to we're going to i know we was going to hold receiving group but yeah, now nah, we're going to tap we're going <laughs> to tap into yeah we're going to okay. tap into right now yeah, um yeah because like the, that second tier guys uh, i just want to say one thing on curtis um like when you think about because you already brought it up dre when you think about terry and Jahan and what they bring to the table when you add in that third player and curtis like that three um those top three makes things very interesting for eric bm because these are these are yak 
got, like these are yak monsters. All three of those guys know how to eat up yard, eat up uh yards after the catch. And, and I think that's kind of one of the things when you think about what they do well that you wish they had more opportunities in 2022 um with with like more effective play calling um was to get the ball in their hands quicker than what they did as opposed to sending them on those uh like like that's the one that really bothered me is like when you have those third and longs you you just knew what scott was going to call and uh it was these long developing plays that really didn't help out the offensive line the quarterback or even the receivers who who can make somebody miss very quickly at the line of scrimmage if you just call a certain type of thing so um when you think about all three of those guys uh that's what i look forward to the most kind of seeing what they can do under the enemy a person who knew how to utilize uh people who can make people miss in space or make make people miss in like tight space and tight areas and things like that uh but when you bring up the other tier of players deami brown um let's stop there for a second um dre i mean excuse me aj you brought up i think before the show i don't know if we went live i can't remember but you mentioned um how fans reacted to the idea of diami and, and sam reuniting but i i think to what you said and and I, i'll let you start it out but my main thing is when i think about it too um this is the nfl like sure like that connection is going to be there in college and, and whenever diami's on the on the field i'm sure he's going to like get opportunities from Sam because of their 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 history. But look, you're in year three, and I mean he's only 23 years old. He's young, but 14 targets in 15 games. That kind of shows you how he's kind of valued by the team, but also like if he's even like doing the right things on the field. Um, so I don't think his production is going to significantly increase. Now he had, he averaged 28 yards of reception. <laughs> like that's it. Like he averaged 28 yards of reception. So but is that all from one game ball? That was all. Um, what was that game? The he, Tennessee game? It was the Tennessee <laughs> game. He had two tutties. Um, He had a 75 yarder. Um, And then he had like a 40 yarder. Um, But yeah, five, five catches, 143 yards on the season. Um, But that's in a 15 game span, but also, uh, mainly one game where he racked up all those yards. So I, to to the to the point and to turn the conversation to Diami and the second or the third tier players, third tier receivers. Um, point being, somebody has to step up, and I think there's a void for like the back end of this roster for people to step up. You mentioned Marcus Kemp too, and I guess we can lump him into that third tier receivers along with uh, like off the shrimp Dax Mill. Um, but this is like that area where they need somebody who can really step up for them um, because Dotson, McLaurin, and Samuel can get it done, but um, you need depth and you need somebody who can chip in and make some, make some plays when they need to take a breather. Especially with the injury history, Dotson and Samuel last two yeah. years. We missed Samuel them. For sure. again. Yes. And you don't have Cam Sims no more. That's your boy, Jamal. We don't have Cam Sims anymore. <laughs> yes. He's gone. Um, so AJ, what do you, what do you say about the Deami Brown conversation? Um, and, and Sam Howe having that opportunity to start. Uh, but what do you think about uh, De'Ami Brown outlook this year? Um, I mean, fair, fair too. Like, year three is kind of the, the year for receivers, uh, but it might be different for him. It may be a little different situation for De'Ami. I mean, I think I think De'Ami's struggles in the NFL have nothing to do with the quarterback. I yeah. think it has everything to do with the lack of concentration in catching the ball, in being able to sell 
defenses and cornerbacks on the routes that he's running. Route tree is pretty limited. Um, of course, people want to make the the mutual connection between Sam Howe and Diami Brown playing together at UNC. But if you ever paid attention to those games that they played together, most of those plays were were fly routes. Like, you can literally go run a fly route with a quarterback that you just met five seconds ago. You, you feel me? And especially if you have some type of speed within that conference, you're probably going to be identified as a burner. Now, when you get in the NFL, these cornerbacks are more technically savvy. So you're not about to hit them with fly routes every time. Like you have to make all your routes look the same, but you're doing different things. And he just doesn't have that route tree in him. So you shouldn't be dependent on if you have a connection with a quarterback or not and thinking that's what's going to elevate a player to be be better. You know, we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams here, or um, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes. Tom Brady, Mike Evans. Yeah, or, yeah, Tom Brady, Chris Godwin, uh, Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman. We're not talking about one of those parents that have done it on an elite level as far as being in the NFL, people are just anticipating Diami Brown to step it up more. But it's like, if you ain't step it up in these past couple of years, you're now going to step it up more because your guy from college may be the starting quarterback. Nah, bro. Like you really ain't about your, you ain't about your check. Like you're going to be playing with the San Antonio Rough Riders. If that's even the name <laughs> If, if you don't step it up, whatever the team name is, Dragon Tails, uh, <laughs> Roughnecks, whatever they got, you're going to be hanging out with the Rock soon. Like, <laughs> because clock is ticking, my boy. Like, you, you a third-round pick. You've made no impact at, at all as a player. Like, Maul said he's played some special teams. Okay, he might just be running down there, but he damn sure ain't tackling nobody. Like, he's just out there for cardio purposes at this point. And there's other guys that are hungry trying to make teams. Like, you you look at a Mitchell Tinsley from Penn State. That boy trying to make a team. You don't think he want that spot over Dami Brown? Teams is cutting second-round picks, first-round picks, third-round picks. So that don't guarantee you anything. Uh, You got guys like Casimir Allen that's coming in. Like, you got other guys that's hungry, man. And I just feel like, even what I've seen from Diami Brown, from what he's put out there on his own social media platforms and YouTube channel, it's bullshit. Like, his workouts are bullshit. Like, he's not even working out. He's not even working out with <laughs> – it's going to get taken the wrong way, but he's not even working out with other NFL pros, whether it be quarterback or cornerbacks, whatever. That boy just at the crib working out with – with one of his peoples and, and just lollygagging. I mean, he did something with with Captain Munlin, but I mean, Captain is like pushing close to 40. Like he could give him some nuances of the position, but this is the prime time you should really be here, uh, either working out with, with fellow teammates or you should be at a facility and getting it in against other pros. You feel me? But yeah, man, I just feel like Diamond Brown got to realize and wake up like he has to step it up sooner than later or he could easily be out this league because right now there's nothing that he does that he has a niche of that would 
necessarily keep Washington interested in him or even another team. Because we, we can't sit here and act like he's running a 4-3 or something and we see it show up on, on film in the NFL. We're not seeing that. Like the days of blowing past corners at UNC no longer exist, my boy. You're going to have to be able to run some routes and expand this route tree and, and concentrate on catching the ball. Or, But I don't, I don't think – I ain't going to lie. I don't think it's wrong – not wrong. I don't think it's bad for a person to be like a – just a one a one level threat. Per, uh, type you have to be player. a leader. That if you're gonna do I, it, I, yeah, you got to be a leader. That he he. I don't even think good. you got to be elite, but I I don't think I don't think he's close to being like consistently good. I think that's that's where he's at. You don't have but to be Paul, elite. If like you play, if people... you playing corner, right? Every team every team got a guy that could be a deep threat or they're a bigger threat, they're a physical guy or whatever, and you got a target to stop that. But he's not he's not elite at that. You're not even concerned. Like you automatically know if he coming in, this is the route that he gonna run, because that's the only thing he can really run. Mm-hmm. Anything else, I'm gonna undercut it, and I'm gonna get a pick if they even tend to look his way. But it, I don't know. It's just like I feel like I get it when, when you got a guy like Diami Brown, right? Based off just what the depth chart is, he's so he's gonna get a lot of opportunity, or whoever is the fourth guy within this offense, wide receiver wise. It's gonna get way more opportunities than they ever have gotten within the Scott Turner offense. Cause yeah. like Kansas City typically rotated wide receivers often, even with Tyreek Hill. They always rotated wide receivers for different initiatives of whatever they were doing on this drive, whatever the case is. But reality is he's one he's one play away from possibly having a start and being in every down. Cause as you know in this league. A lot of the sets are three wide receiver formations. If Terry goes down, if Jihad goes down, Curtis goes down, that boy is now in for every play. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you really want that? <laughs> I don't think I don't think I would want that. I would be interested in acquiring somebody else or saying who else on my roster really wants this. And yeah. and that's not me trying to dog him. It's just like, hey man, I just I just feel like. I've been around Diami. He's a good, he's a good solid guy, man. Uh, he definitely has the size to be impactful. I just think sometimes some people get comfortable with with their position and think it's gonna last for long. And that's not how it typically goes. And that could be said for anybody else outside of the names of Terry, Jahan, and Curtis. Uh, those are those are two highly paid guys and one that is a first round pick. Everybody else on the roster. They gotta show up and, and, and prove they worth, even Dax. Like Yeah, I was about to say that's what we that's what we can go into now with, with Dax, bro. Um if we're talking about that third tier, uh before we talk about a little bit of, of cashmere and, and, and the other guys. Um that I don't think I don't think Dax Dax can't get saved this this season, bro. Um and, and what I mean, what I mean by that specifically is like he got he became more important. I'm not saying it was the right thing, but I'm saying he got more. He became more important to this team because he was their punt returner and their kick returner at one point. Um, but he can't get saved this year because, like, I think the coaching staff knew that there was a need, um, and they got to find an answer at punt return. They got to find some somebody who can help out in the return game, and if his effectiveness or if his importance decreases because they're able to find somebody at that role. Um, I don't think Dax is 
going to be a guy who's going to significantly like or or that he's like truly guaranteed anything especially with the enemy uh being around now too i don't i don't think dax is guaranteed and by product we talked about diami for a, a good minute um i think we know diami isn't guaranteed anything either but dax isn't guaranteed anything um i, I think we're all in agreement with that like punt return bro like you gotta have the ability to make somebody miss bro you can't just go back there and, and goddamn fair catch everything or 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 get a yard or two like I need to – we – I think even coaches need to see, like, sure, ball security is fine, but if you ain't no threat back there, like, we're not – we have no plus advantage on, on punt return if you can't do anything more than just catch the ball. I, and he's probably out – he, he's, he's, he's not – I don't think he's safe. I was going to say, I mean, that's the issue, you know. Yeah, ball security is fine, but that was, that was one thing last year. I felt like the coaches probably emphasized a little too much on special teams because I, I said they kept trotting Dax out there. You know, you have Jahan Dotson. I mean, I get it. He dealt with the injuries and all of that. But Jahan, he's a guy you could put out – not not all the time, but you could put him out there occasionally back there. I mean, you had other options that you could probably try, but they seem like they value ball security. But the moves they made this offseason suggest that nobody behind the top three you know, guys that we have as wide receivers is safe. Like I said, Diami, yeah, he, he may play Gunner, but Marcus Kemp did that in Kansas City. I mean, and obviously he has a rapport with Eric Bieniemy. He knows him, and Eric Bieniemy is getting a little bit of say in roster moves, allegedly, at least this offseason, from what we heard from Ron with the draft release. So Dax, I don't think he's safe at all. I mean, Diami, on the other hand, he's not safe as he's not safe either, but they're gonna give him probably training camp to show something. But the coaching staff has seen him. They watched him for the last couple of years. One of the biggest knocks on Diami coming out was that he did. He he, he was a one-trick pony in a route tree. They said at UNC, he didn't run a lot of routes. He, his route tree wasn't expansive. And if the coaches were talking about trading a guy like Diami this offseason, then that must mean that they haven't seen anything in the past couple of seasons to suggest that they like having him around, that they see that he can improve, you know, as this type of guy here in Washington. And then Dax Milne, you know, Dax, you know, he was the return. He was the return guy. He's the fourth, fifth guy. But now you got a Kaz Allen. You got a Marcus Kemp. You got you have those special teams guys that could probably fill in at wide receiver when you need them to. So I mean, they're, they're putting those guys on notice on the back end of that wide receiver thing. But it is important to identify someone at that fourth spot because, as I mentioned earlier, Cam Sims was a guy who had to step in as a starter all the time. He was a reliable guy. I never yep. thought Cam Sims was a guy that was going to come in and, you know, light the world on fire or anything. But he was a guy that wasn't going to throw up on himself when he went out there and he had to start a game. But you have to identify someone that can do that with this roster now. And I don't know that we had that guy right now on this roster unless Diami shows some kind of big stride this offseason or he becomes that guy or maybe Marcus Kemp shows more than he showed at Kansas City you know maybe Kaz Allen he gets more of an opportunity as an undrafted guy he, you know Eric Miami sees him as a guy but I don't know if Kaz Allen is that you know Cam Sims type of guy where you can rely on him to start a whole game or receive if you need him to but someone has to step up within that group to be that guy and like I said everyone is on notice right now there's no guaranteed roster spot from four to whatever um, amount of wide receivers they're going to keep. So you you would think, you know, Dax may be gone. Because, again, like I said, I thought Dax's biggest thing was returning. I don't know how much they like him as a receiver. I know sometimes they they, they lump them in there. But if he's not contributing on special teams, if you got a guy that can replace him, I don't know if he's safe. But somebody has to emerge as at least that fourth guy in that group. 
what are we thinking about with Cashmere and, and, and Mitch Tinsley? Um, one of the biggest things that uh, some people aren't understanding, like I remember I put out a tweet, uh, this, what is it? We're recording on Sunday. I put out a tweet, maybe Friday or Thursday, just uh, just showing what Cashmere can do um, and what he did at UCLA and like understanding like the idea that, yeah, I think he's going to be a, an effective return man because he's quick. He has the quick twitch. He's uh, also has he's explosive and he, he has the, the speed to really take something to distance like that long speed, bro. But like if you see how UCLA used them in the offense, they had that man at H back um, with motions uh, post like post snap uh, runs where like he's crossing the formation to get him in the get him in open field and uh, have him moving uh, opposite flow of the, the defense. Um, he's lined up in slot. Uh, he's lined up at receiver. He's lined up at running back. Like they use him all over the offense. And when you see somebody like that, and then you think about what the enemy did and what he's seen in Kansas City and how Andy Reid utilized people, I think first up is going to be Curtis Samuel, just off the strength of like he he is literally what Kashmir can do um, for an offense. But Kashmir is next in line. Like Gibson, sure he played receiver, and, and they're probably like to move him around. But Kashmir is a guy who is quicker than Antonio Gibson. Uh, I think he's more explosive than Antonio Gibson. But I also think he's like he has like a natural vision that Antonio Gibson doesn't have. And like he'll be able to find those holes quicker than Antonio Gibson could do. So I think it's Curtis Samuel, like with the receivers that they have, it's Curtis Samuel. And then it's a a Casimir Allen. If Casimir can really showcase like what he can do in the NFL through the preseason reps that he'll get because he'll get a lot in preseason um, and they'll try to work that thing out in preseason. So um, I, I, I really think to that point, when you when you when you show what he can do like people had this opposition because he was an undrafted free agent but undrafted free agents are a commodity in the nfl like they're very valuable and, and i think that's the thing that people don't understand is is so what that he was an undrafted free agent i think that's like in uh maybe in the word is implicit bias or something that that people have towards like just the the round in which somebody is taken um or if they are taken at all and and it automatically means like oh if he's undrafted free agent he ain't worth a damn that's actually the opposite when you think about how the NFL views them. Like, they love them. And, and Washington last year took two undrafted free agents. And guess who everybody talks about a lot? They talk about what Armani Rodgers can do for this team if he was used more. Guess he was an undrafted free agent. <laughs> Curtis Hodges, so much hype about him in the offseason. Oh, undrafted free agent. Jared Patterson, the year before, 2021. Uh, we, we love Jared Patterson, hometown kid, went to Buffalo. Guess what? Undrafted free agent, like these are people well, that people fall in love with. Sam Howe, undrafted free agent as well. Late <laughs> oh round draft pick, man. You know what I'm you're saying? Not, but, but, doing that, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> if you're drafted that late, not real shit. That's real shit. Like if you drafted that late, bro, like you might as well be. And that's kind of where the the the, the that's kind of where the chips fall sometimes for like round six, seven, and six, six and seven, and, and then being undrafted. So. Um, and then on top of that, another thing to factor in, and I'll, I'll give you all the floor. Um, Kashmir mentioned on Kevin Sheehan's show uh, when he had an interview that Ron Rivera called him immediately after the draft was over and said that they, he wanted him to come in. So, like, for him to get that call from the head coach immediately after the draft is over, um, like, they have plans for him. It's, 
it's, it's as real as it gets. All Casimir has to do is show up and show out when he has his opportunity. I, I don't think it's far-fetched to really invest time, which I'm doing, by the way, right now, for those that are listening, I'm, I'm really, I'm about, my next film study is actually on Casimir. <laughs> um, I don't think it's wrong to invest time in the Casimir and figuring out what he can do for an offense because I think he's going to be a valuable piece if he can show something in preseason. And, and another underrated fact, the dude benched 17 – he had 17 reps on the bench press during his pro day. So for all the, the 5'8", 175, like a small guy, he ain't small. I mean, excuse me, he ain't, he ain't weak. He's a strong dude. So Yeah, and I mean, even – I haven't heard the Casimir Allen interview – uh, but a lot of people just look at numbers and don't try to dive in deeper. Like they're looking at, oh, he ran a four or five, but you don't know it was a monsoon on his pro day. And if you clearly look at his, you don't have to look at the tape. You just look at the highlights. You can clearly say, see that man don't run no four or five. Like he's a he's a track athlete. Like you can you can see that. So it's just interesting for someone like Dax. I think his his focus should be on just being a pass catching receiver, because obviously if you're saying Maul that uh, Ron Rivera called him immediately to get him to possibly sign this, this offer that they're presenting him with, they, they clearly can tell that he could be an asset for them, not just only in the kickoff return game, but he can also play a little bit as a weapon offensively at running back and, and wide receiver, like he did for Chip Kelly at UCLA. But I mean, it's nothing wrong with undrafted guys. I mean, you just look around the league. What you got JC Jackson that that signed a contract last offseason with the Chargers to make him one of the top five highest paid cornerbacks out of University of Maryland, played for the Patriots. He was undrafted. Shaquille Barrett, Adam Thielen, uh, even a kicker, Justin Tucker, that we rave about possibly being the greatest kicker of all time. These are undrafted guys that have made it. And more teams during during the, the season are tending to have to, you know, utilize those guys more so than 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 not. Like maybe some teams didn't value them as as draft picks, but even some situations, it might be better for you to go undrafted because you can control the bonus and the contract that you sign immediately. And if you end up playing, you get player performance bonus. And on top of that, you can go and get a, a second contract sooner than anybody else <laughs> because you were undrafted. So it it, it it may seem like a depending on from a business aspect, like agent wise, <laughs> you feel me? It may be a bad investment. But at the end of the day for the player, if you look at the bigger picture, it's like I now control which team I want to sign with to give me the best opportunity to make it. So I'm looking at who's on the roster from a wide receiver position, cornerback, whatever, and I like my chances based on my skill set. So now you get to re-up on a possible new deal in two years. Like, that that's love if you look at the bigger scale of things. And I just feel like with this wide receiver court overall, after Terry, Jahan, and uh, Curtis, Kurt, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's wide open. Season. Yeah, it's open season. You you better make your, your imprint, you feel me? And even Curtis is a free agent after this year. So you just never really know. Like, I was over this weekend. I ain't do nothing for real. I just – I was watching – I was literally watching tape of, like, quarterbacks and different things. And I almost got to thinking, like, damn, what if Washington gets to a position next year's draft where they can't take a quarterback, but they're in a position also to – 
select a Marvin Harrison Jr. Because that's reality. Like teams that are typically winning these days have three solid wide receivers, not just one, not just two. They got three. Like you look at you look at the Bengals. You look at even what the Chargers did this uh, yep. this year. First round they went and took Quinn Johnson out of TCU. They just paid Mike Williams. They still got Keenan Allen. They got also uh, Trey Palmer, or not Trey Palmer, but they got Palmer over there, who, who's pretty solid. But like teams are trying to get more wide receivers as much as possible. Um, so it's just like, hey man, it's it's going to be an interesting battle to see who who ends up making this roster. And for me, I don't really – I look at a Kaz Allen, those type of players are specialists to me. And it's fine if they go – and it's fine to actually have expectations for them even though they're undrafted because you look at them like a specialist in a sense that, you know, we don't talk about them on the same level but a long snapper. Like most of the time you're not drafting a long snapper. Although Washington drafted Cameron Cheeseman a couple of years ago, which was crazy, and I still don't agree with them using a, a draft pick to draft a long snapper. But a specialist <laughs> like Kaz Allen – he can go undrafted and have an impact because he does a special thing. You know, he's good with the ball in his hands. He's good at open space. He may not necessarily be a guy that's going to go get you, you know, a, a first down, be a chain mover or a guy that's going to consistently take hits in the NFL because of his size, but he can do something with the ball in his hands on special occasions. And that's an asset on the football team. Like, you know, you, you may not necessarily draft that guy, I mean, I even think back to uh, Dante Hall. I think Dante Hall was a late-round draft pick. But, I mean, he's a guy that could have went undrafted and you wouldn't have thought anything of it. But he makes an impact because he's a specialist with the ball in his hand. And Cass Allen has that potential to do that. I mean, obviously, you've seen what he could do at UCLA. I mean, that's a Power 5 conference in football, college football. And he was able to show that ability on different occasions. And I think he's a guy that can do that in the NFL because that translates. The, the type of skill set that he has, it translates. Again, it may not be someone that you want to draft because of his skill set because of his size but it's a guy i mean shit we even like brandon banks when he was here brandon banks was undrafted brandon banks i mean he he may have had a return touchdown or two while he was here i mean he didn't last long in the nfl but he was a specialist i mean he probably could have for other reasons but i look at Cas allen in that same boat i mean and as aj said what if curtis samuel leaves next year what if what if Cas allen makes some kind of you know, special impact with Eric Bieniemy. You know, maybe he gives him a couple of packages. They may look at him in that type of role to say he can maybe, you know, replace Curtis Samuel in a year or so. I mean, but again, it's it's okay to have a little bit of expectations for a guy like that to make the football team because, like I said, he's a specialist. And I do think that, you know, with his ability, he has a great chance to make this roster, man, and maybe even be the full-time returner on this team. I... Uh, I don't I don't disagree there. Um are we have any thoughts on Mitch Tinsley, Zion Bowers, Bryce Tremaine, Jalen Sample, Kyrick McGowan? Do we have any thoughts on these guys? Um, are we doing them a disservice if we if we don't? I mean, I understand Mitch <clears throat> Mitch Tinsley. I think that's probably the biggest name left because he went to Penn State. So a lot of people are familiar with him. Um, there's some people who believe that he's gonna make the team. Um and I don't I'm not gonna say I got and watched him a thousand times, so I, I gotta I probably have to tap into his tape to figure out, you know, who he is, like the type of receiver. But um, somebody says third down, like chain mover type of deal. Um, Cam Sims role. I think he's the great candidate to replace Cam Sims. If he does make the roster, he would play that role probably. What is – I mean, I think think they just got great opportunity. Like, 
whether it be a Tinsley or whoever else you name, it's great opportunity ahead of them because outside of those, those three guys, you know, where you go each niche so whether it be special teams or if you're gonna be that that fifty fifty physical wide receiver because they don't have but outside of that they don't have a big body wide receiver or someone that can go get those 50-50 balls. I mean I guess you could say Terry McLaurin, but I'm talking about from a, a physical stature like at least being six two yeah, right now is um I think Jalen Sample, if I remember, get is opportunities, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, and reason why I said Tinsley could possibly replace that Cam Sims role, because when I seen um, Tinsley at Penn State, he wasn't a guy that was going to blow past you. He's not going to. He's not a guy that gets a lot of separation on routes, but he's like a guy that wins a lot of those 50-50 balls, and he plays a little bit physical for his size, and he can. He's he's usually shorthanded, and he's kind of considered one of those chain mover type of wide receivers. But again, he's not. He's not explosive by any means, from what I've seen. He's not a guy that's going to beat you too much in the open field. That's why. I say if he was to make the team, I think his goal is to shoot for that Cam Sims type of role on this roster. So I was looking at Jalen Sample out of Minnesota State. Um, so I know he was pretty tall, so he's 6'3, 198. Um, but but looking at his pro day results, I can kind of see why um he went undrafted. Uh four six five forty. Uh and at at his size, he put up seven reps on the bench press. Um, comparatively speaking, we talked about Kyrie McGowan, who put up 17. I'm excuse me, not Kyrie McGowan. Um, yes. uh, Kaz put up 17 <laughs> bench reps, um, at 170 or whatever, however much he weighed. Um, and and he has, comparatively speaking, he has nine inch hands, nine and five eighths, nine inches and five eighths. Whereas you have, um, Mitchell Tinsley, um, he had 10 inch hands, um, and like the more and more I watch tape, the more I kind of understand like that stuff really does matter. Like Cashmere has had some some random drops because his hands are a little bit too small. Um, so you kind of you kind of see those see the the nuances when you watch like the type of type of catches that they can't really haul in um, because they don't have the they don't have good hands or anything like that, or they don't have the good hand size or anything like that. So um, that's gonna be interesting. Jalen Sample has the size, but uh, we'll see if he can compete. Um, and camps and stuff like that. Uh, I think we're good, y'all. Um, I think we covered everybody. We'll figure out. Look, if y'all if y'all are listening, man, and y'all think we we missed we missed somebody, um, on the bottom who who, who should have got a little bit more recognition, y'all talk to us. Let us know. Um, but that's gonna wrap it up for the receiver, uh, uh position group breakdown. Um, we'll be back for some more along the way. We got an interview right now scheduled this week or should be scheduled this week hopefully it comes through um but you'll you'll see that towards the tail end of the week so that's gonna wrap it up for us today in this episode the fellas we'll be back next time hey i'll take it easy peace damn set huh. watch him throw the ball we gonna pick it up you gonna let him hit the hole or you gonna cut it off you gonna play through fourth and longer you gonna punt it off your defenders have you hit us put your pads in don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in keep the helmet on Keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trapper Dive.